Welcome to the Traveler's Blueprint. Start designing your next adventure. Thank you for joining us in this month's Travel Around Table episode where we discuss the a new travel-related topic with, with a group. Uh, each episode is released the last Monday of every month, and we ever cover everything <laughs> from travel logistics to social issues to environmental and animal conservation and cultural diversity. So if this is your first time tuning in, thank you. And if you are a regular listener, thank you. Before we get started, if you're listening to this and you yourself are a travel expert or you're involved in the travel industry in some way and you're interested in joining us for a future discussion, please submit your information to our website or through our website or send us an email at thetravelersblueprint at gmail.com with your name, your website, your information, and maybe a few topics that you're interested in discussing. Today's topic is how to teach abroad. But before we get into the conversation, I want to take a minute to introduce each of our panel members, starting with Matt. Welcome back to the podcast. Uh, give our listeners just a brief, just tell us where you're located, how you're involved in the travel community, and uh, where people can find your content. Yeah, so first, thank you all for having me again. So it was great the first time, so it's good to be back. So yeah, I'm calling in from Busan, South Korea. So it's, uh, you know, 2.30 in the morning right now. I'm up and awake and I'm ready to talk. And uh, yeah, so just uh, teaching abroad, that's my thing. Been doing it for a little over two years. Uh, 25 from uh, the U.S., shout out uh, Maryland. And you can find me just on my Instagrams. I have two of them. And yeah, ready to talk. What are your Instagrams? So Matt Mitzel. And then we have another making moves with Matt. All right. Don't forget it. Perfect. <laughs> Yana, what about yourself? Um, so I'm Yana. I'm currently in Scotland. I came back home to uh, escape Corona and it kind of followed me here. Uh, so I've been stuck here for a little bit, but eager to get back out into the world as soon as everything's a bit more normal in quotation marks again. Um, but I teach as well, um, mostly English, but um, I've also taught like dance, drama, different things um, that I find really, really fun. Um, and then you can reach me on my Instagram, which is at Yana Cranston, spelled the completely wrong way that you would think it was. <laughs> you guys will link it. We will link it. We will. You're right. We will link it. And what are some of the countries that you've taught in? Um, so I've taught actually in the States. Um, I worked over there teaching drama, dance, different things. Um, and then I was in Barcelona. That's where I met Matt. And then most recently I was in China and I'm hoping to get back over there. Nice. Nice. Callie, what about yourself? Yeah, so I'm Callie. Um, I have teaching experience in Spain, Brazil, and right now I'm located in Toulouse, France. And I teach English um, in a middle school here. And so um, that's pretty much all my teaching background. I didn't study anything that has to do with teaching. I studied Spanish, um, but um, wanted to live abroad. And so that's kind of where most of my experience comes from. All right. Nice. From Tennessee also. I should. Oh, all right. Oh, can okay. you hear me okay? Sorry. Yeah. yeah, we can hear you fine. Yeah. And and Alan, welcome. What about yourself? Thank you guys so much for having me. Hello, everyone. My name is Alan Tunstall. Um, where am I located now? Uh, currently, I'm in Hua Hin, Thailand, uh, which is a resort city uh, three about three hours south of Bangkok. Um, I'm a full-time traveler that teaches English online uh, while bringing inspiration to those who want to teach abroad as well. Uh, so I guess you can call me kind of a digital nomad. Uh, I am from Omaha, Nebraska in the United States. 
And you can find me on Instagram at Traveling Crumbs. That's traveling with one L. I've also met Matt in Barcelona. I lived there for about four years and I taught English to students as a private tutor in Spain and in Italy. Wow. Okay. Right. And, and I, I should say before we start, Matt, you all are friends or Matt has met each of you <laughs> at some yeah. point in, in his right, time teaching right. abroad. Right. He's the ringleader. Barcelona. Yeah, he, he is. He is. Shout out Barcelona. Played yeah. a significant, <laughs> he played a significant part in it. We're organizing this podcast. So thank you, Matt, for doing that. No problem. That. So as, as it's, it's pretty clear now, we're going to talk about teaching abroad. And, and we, I guess we should note that neither Bob nor myself have any experience teaching <laughs> no. or doing anything online. <laughs> we have no experience teaching. Uh, we do have a little bit of experience of being abroad, but yes. we have yet to teach abroad. So we will be students in this podcast and we uh-huh, will we'll teach y'all. Yeah, that's yeah. perfect. And uh, something that I find interesting, we're all over the world today. So we have yeah. South Korea, Scotland, uh, France. Yeah, well, I'm actually in Spain oh, you're in, now. Oh, you're yeah. in Spain. I'm sorry. Okay, yeah. No, no, but no, I'm living in France, but right now I'm in Spain. But yes, sorry. <laughs> really a lot more difficult than I should have. But yeah. yeah. All right. All right. Let's get into the discussion. Matt, why do you teach abroad? Yeah, so my thing is, um, you know, I love to travel. Um, you know, when, when I was in college, I did not study abroad, which for some reason doesn't, it doesn't make sense. It's very ironic. You know, I love to travel, but I, I had no interest in studying abroad. I did like a solo backpacking trip in uh, my senior year. I knew when graduation was coming, like, you know, I wanted to do something abroad, really. I wasn't necessarily ready to, you know, thrust myself into the career that I studied marketing. And so my mom said, hey, why don't you look into teaching English as a foreign language? And I said, yeah, cool. So I got my certificate to teach and I was off to Spain uh, a few months. So I graduated in May and then I was off to Spain in uh, January. So I did the online uh, course to get that certificate. And then, you know, just loved, loved it so much. You know, my first contract in Spain was there about six months. And when it came time to renew, I was, you know, really just trying to do that. And then went to Barcelona, spent uh, maybe 10, 10, 11 months there. And, you know, I just really, really wanted to keep it going. So then, you know, here I am in South Korea. And I just, I think it's a great way to live abroad and see the world. And that's, that's my big, my big drive, I guess, as being that teacher. Yeah, that's that seems to be. It, would all of you agree that's sort of the foundation of why you do it? Does anybody have a different story? Um, mine is pretty similar. Other than I, like later on in life, will settle down somewhere and do teaching, um, kind of as my full time thing. So I guess I'm more using traveling abroad to find the place that I want to do that. Oh, okay. Um, Interesting. And go down that route. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, because what I'm doing, I'm trying to gauge why someone who maybe is just interested in teaching would choose to teach abroad over just teaching in their hometown or or somewhere local. And I guess, sorry. Well, is it is it to travel themselves, or is it because they're interested in teaching someone of a foreign culture? Which one do you think weighs more for you know either any of you to answer? Um, I think it's kind of both. Um, I know for me, like teaching abroad gives you this unmeasurable um, experience of learning whilst you're teaching and learning how different 
uh, students and different groups of people learn. Um, and then also you're learning yourself, whether that's you're learning a new language or a new culture or just how to insert yourself into a new country. Um, but then, yeah, it also gives you the benefit of you get to see this whole new place. So I think it, either one of those options is a draw to why people teach abroad. I, based on our conversation already I, and on conversations with previous podcast guests, the, the thing that I've realized is as much as teaching abroad and teaching online while traveling is about teaching others, I've found that the person themselves mm-hmm. learns almost more than the students they teach through that experience. And it's, it's a kind of self-fulfilling in the sense that, yeah, you're teaching them, but you're also learning things that you would never learn in any other setting. Yeah. I mean, I would agree. I mean, I think it is a big like cultural exchange, you know, you're, you're going for one to teach it, but as you're saying, you learn from, you know, one being in the school learn from your students, but just, just the whole, yeah, it's, I think, yeah, hundred percent. I think it's like a big cultural exchange for me, for my experiences. Mm-hmm. And also you're, you're learning your language over again too. Um, there've been many times where I had to think, oh, that's why we say that. Oh, wait, do we still say that? Is that relevant? Or is that why we put the comma there? I don't, I didn't, I didn't remember. Okay. So you're, you're relearning your language too. And there's so many times where I, I tell my teach, my students online, the E gives the power to A. So now the E is silent and I'm repeating it. Like, I'm so proud of myself for learning that because I never knew that. So that's why the entire word changes. So it's, it's learning other cultures, your own language over again. And exploring another city or another lifestyle that you probably not probably thought you wasn't possible at all mm-hmm. i have to agree with alan there i think i didn't understand why we did a lot of things in the english language because <laughs> when you're learning english um in a country whose language is predominantly english you don't think about why we do things and then you go somewhere else and people question you and sometimes I've sat with students, especially older students, and said, I don't know, so we'll Google that together <laughs> because I don't know the answer to that because it's something I automatically do. I don't have to think about it. So yeah, I agree. It's a very confusing language. I'm sort of there right now teaching a toddler. I have a toddler and helping her, <laughs> you know, learn how to speak and um, revisiting uh, the the very basics of the English language. Yeah, I don't remember any of the structural properties of a sentence anymore. <laughs> maybe subject and verbs and yeah, it gets complicated right. it gets yeah. complicated it does <laughs> and so still learn new things probably every week so one thing i, I want to establish i guess and I, I think we really did it i don't know if we can maybe simplify it but my my reason behind and asking those questions at the beginning was to help someone sitting at home contemplating whether or not they're going to become a teacher or teach abroad if they have the ideas in their mind what should be the deciding factor for them to take that leap and and explore this life this lifestyle i think it's (laughs) i think it's so it's so different and it, it really depends on that person um travel is what you make it. You can mold it, you can shape it to to whatever you want. Um, If you are looking to become more financially free, you can move to a country, for example, right now, like, well, not now because of coronavirus, but uh, (laughs) Vietnam. Vietnam is one country that I consider to be um, very cheap, but at the same time, you can enjoy uh, a really good lifestyle. Um, You can still come to Thailand. Uh, It's a bit more expensive than Vietnam, but you can still 
uh, save money and enjoy a beer by the beach or go out to a fancy restaurant. Um, if you're looking to eat at all the Michelin stars around the world, you can still do that as well. It's You can shape it and mold it to, to exactly what you want. If you're into luxury travel, you can definitely do that. It's a really good thing with, with travel. I think as well, to jump onto that, um, every person that I've ever talked to that's done TEFL or any kind of traveling and working abroad will always say that they wish they started it sooner. If there's a single little thought in your brain saying, oh, maybe I should do this, do it. If you don't like it, you can always book a flight home. You know what I mean? It's not the deciding factor. Um, but I think if you just do it and then you know, you won't spend the next two, three years wondering whether you should do it and then wish that you'd started something sooner. I, I really right. like that point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I do want to ask each of you individually, starting with Matt, how long have you been teaching abroad or teaching online? Oh, that's a tough one. So I, in total probably a little over two years because, um, you know, I did the two contracts in Spain, been in Korea since September, and then I've taught online probably for a year. So maybe creeping on three years, surreal. Uh, actually, no, no, we'll say three years. We'll say that. All right. And Yana, how long have you been doing it? Um, teaching English three years. Um, but I think like I did stuff before that with like tutoring and stuff when I was traveling. So I guess like five. Okay. Alan? Uh, total six years of teaching English and online almost two years within that six year period. Okay. And Callie? Cool. I'm, I'm the baby here. Um, so I want to <laughs> say it's, I know it's definitely less than three. Um, I taught one year in Spain and then I did, I started a six month contract um, about eight months ago teaching online. Um, and then now I've, I've been in France for a few months now. So probably in total about two years, but the timeline's weird because of COVID and all that. So Okay. Yeah. All right. And Matt and Callie, I know you, both of you did not intend on teaching abroad ever in your undergraduate career or high school. Uh, Alan and Yana, what were your backstories prior to starting? You want to go, go first? Go ahead, Yana. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> um, so I studied theater. That was my background, um, which again is a really like stable career choice. Definitely. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I was doing that and then when I was in university I actually did a program called Camp America which is probably boring to the other three because these are all from the states um, but for me that was a really cool experience to go over and live and teach abroad and yeah experience a different culture um, and that kind of got me into okay I can travel and do what I enjoy so um, yeah okay. that's my background is in theater um, okay. so I teach English but I also teach drama and dance okay Alan? For me in high school, I was in French class and that just, that was really my main go-to. Uh, but before that, my father was in the military and we were stationed in Germany and other places. And he would always tell stories or, oh, okay, uh, do you remember this time? Oh, you couldn't, you were a baby. And I'm like, oh, I want to get back to those times. <laughs> you make it sound so, so good. So that was the prefaces. Um, but uh, going further, uh, high school, French class, I wanted to go to France. I wanted to do everything French. And then um, in my, in university, I decided to study abroad, do my Erasmus in Chambéry in France for about six months. And I love the lifestyle. So I, I had to come back, I had to come back and went back, finished my bachelor's degree. And I went to Europe to, to go te to teach eventually. And then 
after some time in Europe, I decided, you know what, I've been in the same continent zone for so long. I, I, let's do a backpacking trip. So I did a backpacking trip throughout Southeast Asia for um, for three months with my boyfriend. And we just loved it, just visiting every country we could here, there, there, staying on a budget. And it just opened my eyes so much that I had to come back and I had to think of a way of how, how to do that. And teaching online was inevitably, inevitably that way. All right. So it doesn't sound like any of you necessarily intended into it, except for maybe Alan. But I have I have many friends who went the the teaching career route and wanted to learn how to be a teacher through college. But I will say none of them really have taken that next step in going traveling route. I think they all if you if you've decided to take that undergraduate course and that program. It seems like you're really intent on staying inside the United States because it really molds you into that field. Whereas you, as someone who has interest in another language or in theater and doing something outside of their own country, that online teaching is really available to anyone. Yeah, I don't know how it is in the United States when you guys are training to be a teacher, but here it's very much... Um centered around the curriculum that we have in Scotland mm -hmm. and it's very much geared to okay we're going to teach you how to teach our curriculum and teach in the way that we want you to mold the students here yeah so I think it's very difficult to step outside of that yeah um and that can be quite scary now a question that I've asked uh maybe I've asked you Matt in our last discussion but in general do you guys envision staying in this career your entire life I know Yana you've already decided that this is your step to finding that end goal, but between Matt Allen and Callie, do you guys have an end goal in mind after teaching online or is teaching online the end goal? Um, for me, I mean, I don't know. I play it one year at a time. Like I think <laughs> next year I might do another country. I don't know, but really I, I just, I can't, I don't know. I just, I see where the wind takes me really on this, this, <laughs> this teaching English journey. So I'm, uh, you'll, we'll check back in a few years, but I, I really, I don't know. All right. All right. Um, I will second that. Um, I actually, it's ironic because growing up, people would ask what I wanted to be. And when they found out that I was studying Spanish, especially in college, people were like, you can be a teacher. And I was like, that was the last thing I want to do <laughs> on the planet. I don't, I'm never, I'm never going to be a teacher. And I like specifically said that for many years of my life. Um, and so now that I'm doing it, it's, I feel like it's a lot more fulfilling and I'm getting my rhythm a lot more. And so I like it. Um, I don't see myself doing it long, super long term, but I could maybe see myself working my way up to teaching adults or, you know, finding a way to teach English curriculum to other teachers, things of that sort, you know, rather than a traditional classroom setting. So, um, but yeah, basically I have no idea. So, all right. Again, playing it one year at a time, which is why Amen. these programs are great. So you guys are like that Katy Perry song where you're just a plastic bag blown in the wind. I am a plastic <laughs> bag. 2020 is the wind. And I am a plastic bag. Hurricane winds. Yeah, yeah 2020 right. is a very violent wind. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, Alan. Sorry, just... Oh, sorry, yeah. No, just to interject what you were saying, I think it's important to point out that teaching abroad can be, like, the first step in something. I know a lot of people that have started teaching and now are in, like, recruitment. One of my friends does publishing for English books, so it is, like, a really good stepping stone, even if you don't want to teach, to just mm -hmm. get into other things and travel. That's what I thought, too, and it's always something good yeah. to put on a curriculum about, you know, like, flexibility and, you know, just learning about another culture. I mean, yeah, it's it was never a bad choice for me. 
for sure. Not at all. Yeah. Right. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah, no, it seems no, like no, no, not at all. I mean, I think what you said was really good because my answer to the question is I don't know either, but doing it six years so far, I could go another six. Um, but for the rest of my life, I would honestly probably say no. But there's always something else that could come from it. You know, teaching online is is the online industry is still kind of really new. Um, but doing it for two years, it's it's been very good, stable work. Um, I'm able to live my life the way I want, the lifestyle choice. Uh, but like you said, I could go into being a virtual assistant or copywriting or I don't know about like really writing a book, but <laughs> it could be a thing doing an ebook. But as long as it's as I have travel, you know, at the core of what I want to do in my life, I I'm OK with it. Something else will stem from it. It seems like it has based on the skills you have and the connections you make, it's opening more doors than closing. There are certain careers in life where you kind of have to stay in that because you learn such specific skills that you can't do anything else. And then you'll have to learn the next skill set for whatever job you want to do next. And this is the complete opposite. This gives you broad, generalized skills that are great applications to all aspects of life. 100%. Yeah, I agree. Definitely being social because not only being a teacher to teach students, but um, communicating with other expats as well as, I don't know if you want to count going out to clubs and bars and counting yeah. the shots you want to drink, but the social aspect also plays a, a huge important role. Uh, maybe does. not drinking for the workplace, but <laughs> other things in life. I don't know. France is crazy, y'all. That <laughs> is true. <laughs> so let's get into specifics. What are some of the companies that you guys researched when you started your journeys in teaching online and traveling? Anybody um, can take that. So for well, I think the big one is finding where you're going to get your TEFL certificate if you take that route, because you know there are so many different. What companies. is it? Teach English as a foreign language, the TEFL. Okay. So that, so that allows me to teach, you know, wherever. But so, I mean, I think that's one of the big things to find where you're going to go do that because, you know, there are many different uh, programs, companies that you can get that certificate through uh, depending on how much you want to pay, this or that. And then I think for my experience, it all depends on which country you want to go to because there's different companies, programs within those um, countries. So, like, for, for me, for Spain... Uh, me, me and Yana, we, we worked for the same company, uh, which Callie, when you were in Spain, what, did you do a company? I did Auxiliarius. Okay, uh, so yeah, so nice. she, she'll go into that. So like each country has a different, you know, program. So me and Yana did one called Up International. So it's all about, you know, doing the research and stuff. And then Korea, for, for my experience right now, um, so many different recruiting companies. So it's all just about doing the research because each country is, is specific to, you know, what companies and programs can cater to that. Is there one website or one database that you can get a majority of this information or is it just a process of sifting through all different websites? Uh, I mean, I think it was just Google for, for real. I mean, I, that's I, a I great, don't... we should make one. That's a great yeah. idea. <laughs> that's there you go. New business strategy. Yeah, I think, I think yeah, it depends. Make a kayak for teaching. A kayak. <laughs> I can't remember the name of the website. I'll try and find it and send it to you guys. But I remember when I first started, I literally just typed in TEFL and went onto a website and then clicked on the little map and was like, Spain looks cool. <laughs> clicked on Spain. And there was just a bunch of like websites that you could apply for. Up International was one of those. Um, and I just applied to all of them. <laughs> um, okay. 
like it wasn't really a great I wouldn't go with that system um but I really just applied to all of them and then sat and had interviews like back to back and kind of sifted it out through there um but if if you just google TEFL there's loads of websites that have stuff like that like you just look on a map and they'll have loads of resources okay now would you recommend that someone chooses the country they're interested in teaching at first is should that be a priority because yeah, it can vary, like the process could vary depending on the country. Yeah, I don't know how much you find it differing, but I definitely find my experience in Spain much different to the recruitment process um, of teaching in China. Um, but yeah, I think find a country that you're interested in, that culture, that language, living there, visiting there, or visiting the surrounding countries and focus your, I don't know, your eye on that one and then apply from there. Okay. Okay. And for the recruitment process, are there specific qualifications that you need prior to doing this? Anything that's pretty standard across the board, regardless of the country you go to? Um, I think the big thing is um, having the four-year degree. I know for Korea, you, you won't be considered unless you have that. I In Spain, for UP, I don't think you the program that we did, you didn't need the TEFL certificate, but I think you needed the the four-year degree. So I think that's pretty standard. And I think if you have the TEFL certificate, then you have a leg up kind of thing. But I'm pretty sure that I think the four year degree is the most important to be considered for all these countries and programs, I think. Okay. Okay. That's so this isn't something you could do if you decided to drop out of college. I, I don't, it depends. I, yeah, I think I if, if you're if you're teaching online, you can be you can not have a degree and you can still find a company, but the pay will be lower. For recruiting process, I'm not sure. Uh, I've never been down that road, but also for working at a school, more than likely you need a bachelor's degree, but online, it's not necessary to have a degree. Okay. Yeah, I think if you've not got the degree, then definitely looking into getting a TEFL certificate or qualification is a kind of secondary equivalent to that. Okay. Okay. So step one seems to be either either have that degree and or have the TEFL certificate. And then step two is choose your location. Yeah. And then step three is apply. I, I like to interject and add something really quick. Yeah. Um, there, there are three main uh, certificates that you can do. TEFL okay. is the most yeah. common one. Uh, TEFL is teaching English as a foreign language, but you can also do TESL, which is teaching English to speakers of other languages. And there's Kelta, which is certificate in teaching English to speakers of other languages. So there's TESL, TEFL, and uh, Kelta or CELTA. Uh, those are those are three. Um, CELTA is, or CELTA is mainly towards adults. So if you do want to only teach adults, that, that's a, a very important one. But the other two are for adults and for children. So depending on what route you want to go, it's also important to think, do I want to only teach children? Do I only want to teach adults or both? If you choose both, you'll get um, probably, probably better results when looking for jobs. Okay. But you would I agree. Not, not necessarily going for all three. That doesn't seem to no, help. Not necessarily, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's a waste of money, Probably all three. <laughs> and are it there might... fees associated with each one? Yeah, it might be a good right. point now to point out where we all got our, our like, Tefla Celta yeah. certificates mm. from as well. 
That that question was coming up. <clears throat> that, that that's something that Apologies. I was going to. No, no, that's that's the re- this is a group discussion. Of an interview. <laughs> yeah, no, feel free to say anything you want at any point. But something I was actually going to ask was the the route, like how you actually apply and get that certificate. Is there a, a program that you use, or do you kind of do it independently? Are you guided through the certificate? certification process so i went through a company called the international tefl academy and i was probably one of the first ones i found but i think uh it was the price was like, i think uh, 1100 dollars or something but there are a lot cheaper ones and if i could do it again i would have done a cheaper one because at the end of the day it's not like differences between universities back home like oh harvard's better than this community college like it's still just like that you have the tefl degree so i think just you don't have to spend an arm and a leg to get this TEFL certificate because there are cheaper options. And if I could do it again, I would do a cheaper option. Okay. That's true. But I also would like to say, be careful because some of them are yes. not accredited, <laughs> yeah. but also mm-hmm. there, there's one out there that I know that it's only $30, but you have to be careful because it's <laughs> not, it's not going to get you everywhere. So it is an investment. I, I spent 1,300 of mine. I, I got uh, cert- certified with Matt. Well, not with oh, Matt, but at yeah, the same place as Matt. But um, it's true. It is. It was very expensive. Um, I'm sure you can learn the same things throughout uh, all of them. But I think the community uh, that International Tiffle Academy had was that that they have is really really good. That's how Matt and I met. But maybe if I would do it again, I would look at it a different option too. It was the first one I saw, and I go, and I went, boom. Okay, click. Let's do that one. I should have probably done a little bit more research to to see what other ones were available but it seemed like the most prominent one at the time okay so Um, roughly a thousand dollars um mine my company paid for mine so that's something that people should also look into so when i when me and matt were working in spain you didn't have to have any sort of tefl celta anything um we just had to have a four-year degree and then i went to china to teach with a branch of the walt disney company called disney english and they paid for everyone's so that everyone did the same one um oh, okay. so, and i know that that's quite common in china for your company to pay for it so that you have one that they have approved of um so i did mine through a company called eye to eye um like i apostrophe the word two and then apostrophe i um and i know they have a sale on at the moment and it's not as expensive as the one that matt said um again i don't know how accredited that one is but it was good enough um for my previous company and then the company that i'm going to now as well okay so. interesting i was going I to also... add go ahead go ahead oh i was just going to add that some companies do have sales like during the year um well they'll, they'll do discounts and so that's what i ended up doing so yeah they usually have them like before like when people are applying so like bef- just before the school year starts um or christmas. do them for like black friday christmas different things yeah mm-hmm. how long does it take to get your certification Hmm. um i would think eight weeks it was online eight was it alan was it 10 weeks did you do online i did online i don't remember if it was four months or, or less i was in my senior year i was working at a bar i was teaching i was doing so many things yeah, yeah, yeah. so I don't, I don't remember but it was it was a good chunk of time and you do it online is it an actual class that you sit in like a video class or is it something that you have to teach yourself or are you just looking at powerpoint slides and then you have a test at the end of it something like that i think each Aww. each one could be different um i took mine back in 2014 so it's probably way different now but it was more self-study you had to read yeah. you know, a certain amount uh, okay. apply it there was homework there were quizzes um 
there was there was no virtual classroom um so you were doing it pretty much on your own but there was like once a week you would come together and everyone would ask questions or uh the teacher the online teacher would say something so it depends some places don't have it online some you can do in person uh let's say you want to go teach for example in barcelona you can some of them have on-site um offices where you can go and teach others just either online or you just print out the certificate because it was thirty dollars. Yeah. <laughs> no, he's right. <laughs> Mine was all online. We like we didn't have any classes or anything. It was just study and then do it. I think most of them it's meant to take you one hundred and twenty hours. It's a but I guess yeah. it depends like on how quickly. For mine, like a lot of the homework was okay. Submit a lesson plan, and I already had those because I was already teaching. So again, it depends like how many of these resources you have. There's also if you are struggling with. The homework that they assign loads of resources online if you just google tefl lesson plan or tefl flashcards there's so many out there that you can kind of use a lot of them are like free to use um and then a lot of them you can adapt them and make them your own as well which is really great work smarter not harder yeah perfect yeah yeah for sure great and, this is awesome yeah this is very informative so okay now you have your country picked out and you have your, your TEFL certification and you are ready to go. Now, do you, do you go the route of contacting organizations in the country you chose? Do you try to do this on your own somehow, be a private teacher or a private tutor? What did each of you do and, and what are your recommended routes for this? Actually getting a job, I guess, essentially. Um, so for me, since I knew I wanted Spain, um, the big things in Spain, there's some, you go as a language assistant. So there's like a program through the government and then a bunch of different programs. So for one, you got to pick your country. So then figure out what you want. So for Spain, that's what I did. And it was all, you know, me researching, do I want to do this, do that. So then putting my application out to these different companies. And then for Korea specifically, it's all about recruiters. Um, I think it's kind of harder to really find your own like a, a school in Seoul, no, like you need to use a recruiter and they'll help you with all the, and same thing with Spain as well, they'll help you with the, the visa process. And, um, you know, for Korea, you decide if you want um, a public school or a private academy. So then, then from there, you can pick the recruiter that you want to go through. But uh, for me, yeah, Spain was more me finding the job, like the different companies, and then Korea was uh, recruiting. Okay. Okay. And if you do go the route of a recruiter, it, you said that they'll help you with the entire process of relocating there from the visa all the way to the job itself. That's pretty awesome. For, yeah, it, it was nice because, you know, it's pretty daunting, you know, just to go to a, another country. And for one, like, because I came here during COVID and, you know, Korea had to do this two week quarantine. And so just it just I mean, it's a very foreign language compared to Spain, you know, Spain, at least the same alphabet. So here it's like, oh, my God, like where am i so like they really helped with that you know that helped getting with a sim card getting your um, registration card all, all this stuff so yeah the recruiters have been great because i mean they understand you're coming into a foreign country and i mean you're starting at zero really yeah wow I you had no except you know korean you did not know korean right not at all like <laughs> i tried on the plane a little bit but <laughs> i think i spent more time yeah. sleeping yeah like Korean is hard, man. Like, it, <laughs> I'm still, yeah, I'm not, yeah, it's, it's. Tough. How long have you I mean, been there? Yeah, I know, I know. Like, <laughs> I can order drinks, and you know, I know some 
some phrases but the important I'm stuff trying, yeah i'm still trying to learn the alphabet at this point but jeez <laughs> it's it's tough don't tell your don't tell your students that no 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 <laughs> they're teaching me actually yeah <laughs> i bet alan did you want to add something yeah sorry i don't know when to <laughs> when to talk when not to talk. no there's there's sorry. so many people it's all it's good a bit, yeah this is so so new to me uh but i went a different route so with um because i've never went with a recruiter before i've always done things uh by myself so rather it's private tutoring or you want to teach online i kind of like made a quick checklist I'll, I'll tell you guys really quick yeah um so first what i do is i usually have an idea if you have a dream place um the movies whatever whatever's your favorite movie that you like to watch uh, whatever place you've always dreamed of uh, go with that right away and then figure out your why. Why do you want to teach abroad? Why do you want to uh, change your lifestyle? Maybe it's financial, maybe it's maybe it's to meet more people, to travel the world, whatever it is. Uh, next, I would pick three countries that are in the same region. For example, France, Spain, Italy, right close to each other or Vietnam, Malaysia, Indonesia, all in that same area. And then research, 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 it's key. Do your calculations and then do them again. And then um, find three or four top cities that you would love to live in and then find some that are nearby or off the beaten path because that's really important. Uh, that can cut costs, but at the same time, you can have more of a local experience. Uh, then you want to kind of go with the uh, cost of living, see what apartments are like, use Airbnb. Um, see what you can afford, stuff like that. Uh, find your interests, uh, look for a digital nomad community and look for visa requirements, costs, and then go into how can I make this happen? You should have wrote the, the, the guideline for this episode. Now. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. No, that, that, that was, that was really informative. Story. That was, that was perfect. And that brought up a few things that I actually, I don't think I considered in, in when I organized this. Uh, finding expats, considering cost of living and making sure that the the, the pay you're going to get will sustain your living expenses in that country. And then something I really liked was seeking a teaching job maybe outside of the major metropolitan area, which I, I actually really like that. I think it's a, it would be a great experience to instead, you know, instead of going to Rome or Barcelona, maybe stepping out. Um, mm one train stop and teaching out there so you can still access those those cities when you want to enjoy them but to be able to maybe get a slower experience something i don't know very different from from even what most people who teach abroad get right right when i was teaching in barcelona my my main work was actually 45 minutes outside the city in terraza and even more like even towards Mendresa, which is an hour or so away so the commute was long but the money i was making there more than made up for that and i was able to live com comfortably in barcelona because it's i will use the cliche term but it's such a saturated market because everyone wants to go to barcelona or rome or florence or even paris and everyone wants to teach there and live there so then your prices will have to you're, you're fighting prices maybe you want to charge 12 an hour instead of 18 instead of where you can go outside the city and charge maybe 20 to 22 euros an hour interesting i didn't know you were in terrasa i was in terrasa really that's i was. Yeah, actually so live there wow <laughs> yeah that's wow, so wild i loved it but like yeah i agree because it was like a 40 minute train into the city mm. 
and the exactly. trains ran all the time and there was like a night bus all night even if you wanted exactly. to so I Very could still well go get beers with Matt and then <laughs> I just and pay, like, run to that train <laughs> <laughs> right wow yeah. no. it's also like to jump on with like living and like the cost of living it's also a really good thing to look in and see if the city that you want to go to has host families um, mm. that can cut down on your cost of living a lot when I was in Terrasa I lived with a host family um so they had four kids um they were all like really interested in learning english and that can you obviously have to factor that into the lifestyle that you want to live when you're there um i couldn't be going out partying until 5 a.m every night <laughs> um but it was really nice to like more uh like put myself into the culture um, and live with people and that obviously cuts down on your cost of living a lot when you're in the place um but it's if you're teaching somewhere definitely reach out to people because that's a possibility it's a great way to get started too. yeah i because mm-hmm. i so i spent uh four months in germany as, as part of one of my study abroads and i had a host family and it was amazing but that was orchestrated through my program are the host families associated with the teaching institutions that you're working through or do you have to find them on your own it can be either or so mine um when i was in uh spain my school I was looking for apartments and getting stressed out because I got the job and I had to be there in 10 days. And then I got an email saying, oh, and here's your host family. (laughs) Um, And then it was this really lovely, another teacher from the school um, who was a high school teacher and she lived like a 10 minute walk from the school. Uh, Her four kids all went to that school and they invited me to stay with them. But obviously it was my choice to go and stay with them. I wasn't forced to, but yeah, it was kind of orchestrated through the specific school that I was teaching at rather than um, up international. Okay. Um, but I know that you can, if you want to reach out uh, and at least ask if that's a possibility. Yeah. Cause with our program, it was um, the different pay structure. So you could get paid less uh, to choose to live with the host family or get paid more and not the host family through the Yana and our, our specific program. So I did a host family, my first contract in Spain and then Barcelona, I uh, decided not to, but you did have that option with our specific program. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. And going back to what, what Alan had mentioned, I don't know if any if any of you are comfortable discussing pay rates um, or are not, just say so. But Alan, do you, or any of you, do you have like a standard bracket? Um, and I'm sure it varies by country, but maybe give a few examples of what you can expect in southeast asia in europe in south america something like that is there is that possible to get that information uh yes um i guess what i can give you is since i work online now it's it's quite different i don't make the rate uh, there are companies where you can make the rate and the company acts as a middle person to match you with the student or if the student chooses you and they choose the price it's okay uh but in <laughs> barcelona um i would charge minimum 18 euros an hour and the highest i charged was about uh 35 40 euros an hour but that also came with like groups together or um if it was someone that needed more of my time and me to correct more things with them there with them not there uh it just depend uh it just depended um but i would say minimum on average uh 
charge about 18 euros an hour. That could change depending on the, the year, the time. Now, during this time, I don't know if that's going to work, but um, there's a whole expat community on Facebook that they kind of gravel and, and they get, get <laughs> it really grinds their gears when they hear someone is working for 12 or 10 euros an hour because yeah. it sets the standard quite low. I've had many, um, many parents that go, oh, but so-and-so I they charge me 12 can't you do the same sorry no that, that doesn't work it cost me six to get here so um online depends on your qualifications um that could be anywhere from eight dollars for 25 minutes which is really high to 27 30 dollars 30 dollars us for an hour um, depends on the company, depends on your tenure, how long you're there, and your qualifications and how good of a teacher you are. Hmm. Okay. One one question I've I ask, and I've been asking more and more in regards to travelers, digital nomads that are working abroad. A taxes. B <laughs> benefits, like traditional benefits you think about when you have a standard job in your own home country, like health insurance, you know, dental plans, 401ks, stuff like that. Yeah, no, um, you're excluded from all that, right? <laughs> it was yeah. so strange yeah. moving to a country where I had to get health insurance. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but th I think it's important to talk about that because it differs in every country that you are working in and it differs from most time, most of the time from the country you're from. So for let's talk to the three U.S. citizens first, and then Yana will come to you, and then you'll have more time to think about it. Yeah. <laughs> so Matt, Callie, and Alan, um, in terms of the what Americans think of as standard benefits with health insurance, paying taxes isn't necessarily a benefit, but since you're a United States citizen, I assume you still have to. And then looking at potential ways to save for retirement, such as a 401k or IRA, do you have access to those items and do you have to do them uh well speaking for the insurance and stuff um through the programs that i went through uh you are given the insurance of of, uh, of spain so you know you're a part of the the spanish health care system i got a card that i could go to any you know the places uh, if, I, if i get sick or anything um and then korea is the same that you are provided with the benefits from the school and stuff so insurance and all that um but the taxes uh, is a tough question. I we used our uh, family like account, and I really don't. I can't even really speak on it. He he handled it. I, I don't know. But uh, and the four hundred one k and stuff. That's just me, you know, having to put money aside to save and stuff. But the taxes. That's a really good question. Maybe Callie and Alan could. Oh no, definitely not. Oh, well, no. I, I was listening to, I was listening to as a dependent until literally like this year, and I texted our tax guy, and he's like, "Don't worry about it till April." I was like, "Can do." So yeah, right. I have no yeah. idea. I, mean, I have no idea. I will say I though, the insurance thing in France, it's the same as Spain. Um, okay. That you have your own. You have like a card from the government, and it like works the same way. So they cover you there. Okay. Alan, I would say with taxes. Um, it is a tough one uh, because it really depends on what state you live in. Um, I've looked into it. Um, it also depends on how much you make. So I can't give too much input on that, but I would say um, still you are responsible for paying some form of taxes or for getting that whole area, whether gray or not, under control. Um, the company, especially working online, the company doesn't report it because it's a foreign. Usually most companies are based in China or Hong Kong. So it's up to the individual contractor, which um, that's what you're called in the 
in the contract uh, to handle taxes on your own. Um, if you are a private tutor, that's also a gray area because you probably don't make that much, but it's all kind of probably under the table. So that's, uh, that's kind of for each person to explore if they want to or not. Um, I'll leave it at that. Going for the, going for the healthcare, um, since again, I've never worked for, um, I've never been recruited or with a company like maybe the other guys have, uh, the, other, the other ones have. Um, I have travel insurance. So with my, with my card, it's in 26, it comes with uh, travel insurance because I'm a premium member. I pay 18 euros a month for it. So it, it gets me things like uh, phone theft or if I break my phone, uh, they, charge, they cover a certain amount, um, accidents, um, delayed luggage, uh, luggage misplacement, stuff like that. You, there are many companies like Safety Wing or World Nomads, depending on what country you're in, or it keeps it for the entire time, uh, that can help you with um, travel coverage. And remember, it's not health insurance, but it helps you in certain times of need if you need to, um, if you have an emergency dental problem or something like that. Just recently, I was in a motorcycle accident. Um, I didn't really have to use my insurance because it's so cheap here in Thailand to get to get help. So, um, for example, about ten dollars a day for one week, I had to uh, clean my wounds. Yeah, yeah, I I slid two meters on the ground on my on my yeah. uh, bike. So. Um, Going to the emergency room is, depending on your emergency, is not that expensive. I had an allergic reaction here. And with the ambulance, with uh, the medicine and seeing the emergency doctor, it came out to be $15 total. So it, it depends on what country you're in, if you want to use your travel insurance or if you can just pay out of pocket. I had a health, again, I had a health checkup with everything and it was only $35. I'm not sure what it costs in the United States, but I'm sure it's, it's more than that. Million. You don't want to know. Yeah. One yeah. <laughs> million dollars. So yeah. the, the more, savings. the more I learn about the United States healthcare system, because my wife is, she works in healthcare and has been involved in healthcare most of her life and all of her adult life. And the more I talk to travelers that are, you know, living abroad and especially young travelers who necessarily don't have that many health issues to consider if it, anything, it's usually an emergency. It's usually an accident. It's not a known health issue or a likely health issue. But the more I look at it, the more I think I should just travel all the time when I'm older because it'll be way more affordable. <laughs> well, when you think about it, a lot of people from Maine, from predominantly English-speaking countries, they are expats, well, mainly in Southeast Asia, well, abroad, but in uh, countries that are cheaper financially. They take their pension or whatever they have and they come here, they live here. They either get married, they don't, but um, they, they have a pretty good setup here. There are a lot of expats um, that are older in Thailand and Vietnam and, and Indonesia, um, pretty much anywhere you can, you can see. And they, they, don't, they don't hesitate to tell you how long they've been here, how much things have changed and where to go and where not to go for, for everything. So it's, I, I want to say for people who are listening, don't just think of the country you're in, especially if you want to just live there for the rest of your life. There's an entire world that customs are different and it can be affordable to live if you feel stuck where you are now. Thank you. All right. 
Yana, let's talk about the UK. I'm ready. Um, thank, thank goodness for the NHS. I love it. I will sing its praises until the end of time. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's really strange coming from a country where like I don't have to think about healthcare. No one here does. Um, I remember going to the states for the first time and being terrified of getting sick. Um, like because I didn't know how it worked, and I was that was going there with a co- like a company called Camp America who would have had like it would have been fine <laughs> um but i was terrified of getting sick over there um because i didn't know how it handled so it's definitely something worth looking into the healthcare system of where you are i know so when i was in uh, spain we were part of the eu and now brexit's happened um so i don't know how it's going to work from now on but before yeah i didn't have to do anything it was just you're part of the eu you're fine your healthcare is free um but I think that might be changing to just do the same as what you guys do. You get like a little card or something. Yeah. Um, I don't know why I'm asking you as if <laughs> you know about Brexit. Um, <laughs> but um, when I went over to China, it was with my company. So they paid for my health care. Um, I don't know how much it cost um, because it was just automatically accounted for in my salary. It wasn't like they took something away from me. It was just automatically okay. accounted for. Um so I know that's something to consider when you're signing a contract, because now when I'm going over, I'm getting paid more, but I have to find like my own health care, uh, my own like insurance, everything like that. So that's something to take into consideration when you're looking at your contract is what's included. I know a lot of companies will include that. They'll include like a housing allowance. I think, Matt, you get something like that. Um, but yeah, most companies will at least point you in the right direction. Okay. Um, of and healthcare. How do you? And I will say it's next to none in China. Like, yeah, I would get like massages and acupuncture in <laughs> my healthcare. And it was sick. It That's was awesome. Great. It was real fun. Yeah, I'd go for a weekly massage. Just like this is good for my health. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is good. Good mental health. So yeah. how does how does the UK handle your taxes? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> We didn't prepare for that. Yeah, you did um, not include that on the list. That's because um, it, it's the dark horse question. It is, yeah. 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 I knew when I came back, I was paying taxes because I was... Ha- so I paid tax in China. From my understanding... Oh, gosh. But my understanding is you pay tax for the country that you're living in. Um, yeah, I did that, so yeah. I, I paid it in... I paid tax to China and to Spain. Um, and then when I came back here, yeah, I started paying it back here again i just have to notify them that i'm going to live in a different country okay. and someone does something on a computer <laughs> it's the same enough. like different things like your student my like um i guess this is different for you guys as well but like higher education is free in scotland as well but i have to notify them okay like this is me using my degree that you gave me for free um and i just have to tell them that i'm working abroad okay um Sorry. Right. Enough about the finances. Thank you, Elliot. Even though I think I brought it up. Hey. About all you, your free you things. Yeah. Nobody, yeah. nobody <laughs> thinks about this stuff yeah. prior to going. And it's, it's stuff it's that true. it's stuff true. that even now, like I think just because I brought it up, I think you are all aware that taxes are accounted for, but maybe not necessarily how they're accounted. And it is it's something that I've always thought about when traveling is and working abroad is do you pay taxes to your home country and the country you're living in? Or is it one or the other? And I mean, it's a big difference if you have to pay. But if you only have to pay one, but you end up paying both, that's a big chunk of money that could ultimately be going towards, you know, a better lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. Well, to, to interject also with the finances, um, when you decide where you want to go, like 
the regions of the world, you know, obviously you get paid more here, whatever. So Asia is where the money is really with this. So the benefits, I don't know about China, but for Korea, you will not come here without getting, you know, your rent is paid for you. You're provided with your own apartment. Yeah. And if, if it's, if you're not provided, then it's a weird thing. And, you know, they pay for, you know, your flights too. So here I get, they paid for, they gave me what, $800 allowance for the flights and the money you can, in Korea, you can expect to make between, I don't know, uh, 1800 to uh, maybe 2100 per month depending on qualifications and there's a lot of wiggle room you can negotiate with them and spain for my contract specifically um when i had the host family i think i got paid like i don't know was it 400 euros a month and then when when you didn't have, when I didn't have the host family i think it was like 750 euros a month but you're capped at because you're there as a student a student visa so you're capped at like 20 hours a week so you did have you know time and um, to work outside of that, but th those were the finances for my specific positions. Okay, I appreciate that. I think as well to agree with you, and I don't know how it is um, in Thailand, Alan, but in China you're either given like a housing allowance or an apartment or like something towards your living cost outside of your salary. Um, and I know with every company that I've been with, they kind of if they don't provide you with an apartment, they provide you with like contacts or finding one like a uh, realtor or something like that okay yeah dang that's nice that's not that, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's i'm over here like Come well over. i'm just you know busting. no i will say Take in france we, um, a month. yeah no literally in spain it was around 700 and in france it's the same but the good thing about being in france is that you can apply online um like through the government it's a thing called caf like caf and you can apply and they'll give you like money like, like they'll pay for part of your apartment for basically oh, nice. you just being like here's how much i make and here is how much my apartment costs so like please help and they're like yeah. hey and then, so yeah that's better no but in spain it was just like straight up sol so yeah but the cost of living was a little cheaper where i was in spain i was out in the farmland so it really just depends <laughs> and it, it seems like the like the the salary or the per month pay from someone living in the united states doesn't seem like that much but we're also not you don't have to pay for your apartment, which is huge. You don't have to pay for your, your cost of living. And some of that is covered. So while it seems low, it is covering maybe 40% of your daily to monthly costs. So that yeah, needs to gotta, be factored I in. I mean, I don't know about Matt, but I'm I'm making more in China than I, than I would as like an entry-level teacher in Scotland. So I think that's something to consider. And then also, yeah, the cost of living where you are. It's same in um, Korea and I think in Thailand as well. The cost of living is way, way cheaper um, than it what it is in the UK and the States. So you have to factor that into, okay, I'm getting paid this much, but only this much is going towards all these other things that would yeah. cost. Right. Right. And plus right. you can't, you can't put a price on, you know, really cool experiences. Plus the experience. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're right. Exactly. All right. So shifting topics a little bit, something that I want to get into is, uh, or are the types of teaching, the types of things you can teach. Now, I, 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 that might sound like a stupid question because I think for the most part, you're all English speaking and it seems like you've all gone the route of teaching English. Is that right? And so are there, are there even any other options or, or is it really just finding a country to go There's teach English? There's loads of other options. <laughs> All right. Um, let's so hear I it, teach Yana. drama and I teach dance. That's um, I was teaching English for a while and I've done that, but um, 
my next contract is being a drama teacher. So there's loads of things. I know people that teach music. I know people um, that teach art or loads of different subjects. Obviously, I'm interested in artistic things, so that's what all my friends do. But um, you can go into different countries and teach in international schools and teach maths and science and loads of different things. Yeah, well, I'm, so. they got me teaching math, science, and gym. I had no idea I'd be doing math. So <laughs> well, that's awesome. That my resume, yeah. They gave me the schedule. And they're like, oh, yeah, you're going to be the gym teacher. And I said, okay. Can <laughs> <laughs> you, Matt, I mean, so the math, obviously, it, it's the numbers are universal. But how do you actually explain math in Korean to Korean yeah, but it's tough because so at this school I'm working with kids aged what two to six so I mean explaining math like well, okay what was the one thing we were doing we we're doing um I assume yeah, even, at the age of two to six they're doing calculus yeah you know trigonometry complicated yeah it's tough um I think the science for me is the tough one because it's explaining like living and non-living and like yeah that i think explained to even an english speaker with that like that's kind of tough it's just like the photos like no this tiger is living but this chair is not like how do you really like the science for me is is a little tough right now because the, these five-year-olds i mean i think yes yeah, so, so it's just tough <laughs> to answer your question yeah. it can be but you know i got all the resources are provided with me and so it's just following the textbook and stuff but yeah and then well for some of the English, like right now, we're learning about differences between um, verbs, nouns, and adjectives, which again, for these five-year-olds, I think is quite difficult, because I don't even think, I really don't know, do they know what that is in Korean in their language? Like, I don't know. So here it is, like, it's, it's hard, hard to explain. Like, how do you explain what a noun is if they don't know what the word thing is? Like, person, place, like, it, it can get tough. So, I mean, with this age, yeah, it's a little tough for me, but, you know, it's, it's an experience. Yeah, sounds incredibly tough. And gym class is fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, was, I did gym when we were in Spain. We like we had they did a lot of the subjects and they just had me in the class to just be like, just say the same as they're saying, but in English. Um so we would do gym in English and like two year olds are like, Oh, a cat? I've got it, I'll pretend yeah. to be a cat. <laughs> so like it's fun. And I think that kind of learning can be really, really good. It's just immersing them in the language whilst you're trying to teach another subject. It can be challenging, but it kind of makes it less, I don't know, less sit down and here's what a noun is. I was going to say that, that they're learning a lot just from us being there, you know, and speaking like how native speakers would speak and just like, you know, even if they might not get exactly what a noun is, this lesson, you know, they've still had that immersion, like you said. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Uh, my next question. <laughs> I know we went over it a little bit um, earlier, there doesn't seem to be a one-stop shop, one resource for all of the information you need on this. But are there any online networking groups? I know, Alan, you mentioned something with a Facebook group. Where could you point people to go to get information from peers? Sure. Um, I would definitely look, first start into blogs. Look at blogs, search what country you're interested in. Instagram is also a good place. I try to show people my life abroad, the good, the bad, the in-between. Um, there are a lot of people that have travel guides. There are a lot of people that have um, their experiences online, budget costs, everything like that. So Instagram blogs, um, Facebook groups. If you're looking to teach English online, I believe one is online ESL reviews or online ESL. 
Uh, if you want to know more about a company, some reviews, should you work there or not, look at glassdoor.com. If you're looking into budgeting, I have on here budgetyourtrip.com, uh, Nomad's List, Nomad List, excuse me, and Expatian. Uh, just places like this could help uh, you look for costs before you go, get a rough estimate. Uh, do you really want to go to that place? Maybe let's go to plan B and go to the other city. Um, what place just looks absolutely stunning visually? And you can find that on Instagram or Facebook as well. Okay. I think yeah, I would another agree. good thing go is, oh, sorry. No, you got uh, it. Sorry. <laughs> uh, I think another good thing is if you're set on a country or a city that you want to teach in, it's just going on Facebook and searching teaching English in yeah. blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And you'll right. find countless amounts of like expat or like English teaching Facebook groups where you can ask questions or just use the search bar to search like, common questions that people have already asked 50 times um those are really helpful i find those really helpful when i was in barcelona especially with what you were saying um alan about setting a minimum price for like private tutoring um because loads of people would ask me for 12 and i'd be like mm, it seems pretty low <laughs> in barcelona and then you would and you would yeah. go on those and yeah you would get the answer to your question they're really mm -hmm. helpful are you guys yeah, familiar with tutor.com yeah no no. Okay. My, my sister actually works for them and has been working for them for several, probably three or four years now, but it's not something that I like, she's always done it in the United States, but I would imagine that you could just do tutor.com anywhere since it's all online. You just have to arrange, you know, different times to be available for the kids. And my sister is very much a night owl. So she'll wake up at like mid or midday, like noon or 11 AM and then work until like 3 AM. And so she'll work with kids on the West Coast or with kids from the UK and she she loves it, but it just it seems like that could be something done anywhere. But That's I don't true. know her qualifications. I, I teach online, so with Wells English and you can do pretty much on any online company. Um, but with Wells, we go through Beijing time. So being in Thailand, I'm one hour behind Beijing. So it's perfect. I work from at five or six uh, p.m. till eight, which is amazing. I have the morning free, I have the afternoon free. Uh, Saturdays I work in the morning until the evening. It's a longer day. Um, if you work in the United States, you could be depending on the time of the year. You could be working at one a.m. till five a.m. In Spain, I work from eleven a.m. to 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 three. Sorry, eleven a.m. to three p.m. Right. Um, you can take your work with you. You can travel to different countries depending on your passport and visa uh, related, but it's it's amazing. You can literally just take your laptop and go wherever you have Wi-Fi and quiet space. Yeah. Uh, Alan, I was, I was gonna... gonna... Oh, sorry, go, go for it, Kat. Oh, I was... Well, mine is like a separate question. So if you wanna go first, you can. Just to jump onto that, I think another important thing when you're looking at what you wanna do is decide whether you wanna teach online, teach in like a school or teach outside of school because if you want to teach in a school great you're like nine to five monday to friday mm -hmm. that's your schedule but otherwise like i said you're working in the evenings on a weekends okay. when i taught um in spain i taught at a school so yeah nine to five it was great i had the weekends off but when i taught in china it was like 5 p.m until 9 p.m and then like nine till nine saturday and sunday so you also need to look at that like what that was schedule worked for me because again yeah like your sister i'm a night owl so that yeah. worked perfectly for me but if you prefer like a more rigid schedule you might want to look at going into an actual school okay sorry go alan, ahead. alan i was that's okay um alan i was gonna ask this might be a dumb question but how like with the visa process like how 
do you navigate that while teaching That's a perfect online? question because no i know in spain at least they're like no unless you're like working for the government stay away you know so oh, I don't alan's know. over here scheming right? <laughs> <laughs> don't tell everyone man yeah. yes. <laughs> no um that that's that's really important. That really depends on the country and your passport. Every passport holder is going to have some um, restrictions or uh, some privileges that other countries don't have. For example, if you have the United uh, a passport from the United States, you're pretty much good to go for almost every country. Um, the visa depends. It you have to look online. Um, do your research multiple places. For example, in Spain and all of pretty much the EU, the Schengen, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure I said that right, the Schengen, Schengen area, yeah, yeah. You, you have about 90 consecutive days um, yeah. free, but after that you should, well, a little bit before that you should leave. However, if you do decide to go over illegally, I think you just come in on a normal, I'm not, disclaimer, I'm not saying that anyone should do that, but- um, <laughs> If it happens, <laughs> somehow. Get in trouble. If, if it happens, you, you, you just come in, Right, you just come in on a normal tourist visa. Um, here in Thailand, uh, I got a normal tourist visa, but then COVID happened and I wanted to stay longer. So I got an educational visa. So I'm learning Thai here for six months, as well as teaching English online. But I didn't tell them I'm, my work is online. I told them I'm an English teacher. However, mm, a lot of countries don't ask that question. When you apply, you apply for a normal, a normal visa. Okay. Same for Vietnam, same for... Uh, Bali, most people just come in on a tourist visa, go fly to Malaysia, Singapore, live it up for a little bit, a day, half a day, come back, get the other 30 days. Depends on what, what country. Okay. All right. This has been a very, very informative conversation. And <laughs> before before we get to the end here, I do want to provide a summary. So the, I wrote some notes down of kind of the steps that a person interested in joining the online teaching or teaching abroad realm of things. And step one seems to be get your certification, whether it be through TEFL, TESOL, or CERTA. And that re those requirements are usually either taking a, you know, course to get there and get that certification. And a requirement would be a four-year degree, which would be very helpful, but, um, if you have the four-year degree, sometimes you don't need the certification, it seems. Is that yeah. accurate? Correct. Okay. And then that process in and of itself can take anywhere from uh, two to four months to get yeah. certified. And then the second step would be pick your destination, the area that you want to teach in, the area that you want to be. And... That could be from what Alan said, like your favorite film or a place you've always wanted to travel or a place you want to travel back to and learn more about and be immersed in the culture. And then step three would be to either go on TEFL and find a bunch of schools in that area or just Google the crap out of it until you find one and apply to all of them. Yeah. <laughs> and then step four is go. And yeah. enjoy. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I, you know, I, I want to go back to something we said earlier. We There's the perfect one-stop shop resource for this information. It happens to be this podcast right now. There you go. Uh, <laughs> well, you're welcome. All yeah. right, so, so step step zero is listen to this again. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. All right, so Bob, are you now ready for the question of, to sum up this and bring this conversation to a close? 
I am. All right. Should I sound so, the alarm or you should sound the alarm? Sound the alarm. <laughs> Elliot's hoorah question of the day. Yes. That's, we need that, a button. We yeah, need, I need to record that. I don't know what I expected, imitation ham horn. That. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you know, there is an app for the ham horn. So my wife used to do the ham horn when a terrible joke was said. Oh, I know <laughs> that one. The bear, bear, bear. That yeah, one. And, it, yeah. and it always, I had that app and it would always, always do it at full volume. I yep, mean, you couldn't always. turn it down. I would put <laughs> yeah, my phone on like as low as, and it would be like the highest volume. <laughs> There's no other way to do it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Very good app. Yeah. All right. So Callie, we're going to start with you and we're going to go to Alan, then Yana and end with you, Matt. So the question is, what is the most valuable thing that you've learned while teaching abroad or teaching online? Okay. I think for me personally, um, it is to not go into any experience with too many expectations um, and to not set those limits for yourself. So for example, I was determined not to teach and here I am teaching and loving it, you know, something I didn't expect or... Um, I thought a move to Brazil would be easy and then it was difficult. Things like that, um, of that nature of not setting too many expectations or um, um, just, yeah, just being open-minded and, and um, be, being more flexible, I guess, is something I've learned through this whole experience. Okay, thanks. Alan. So to jump on that, what Kelly said, um, I think a lot of people try to expect the unexpected, but you can't plan everything. So like Kelly said, allow, allow mistakes to happen. They're going to happen. It's how we handle it. Embrace it, learn from, a, learn from it, move forward. Um, the most valuable thing though, I would say, even though we talk about travel, what we love, we're um, going to bars or parties, we're experiencing new food, um, but also we have a job to do as teachers. And I think the most valuable thing you can do is your you're helping someone else improve their life. Uh, just the other day, I had a student who I've been teaching for an entire year. I, I don't know what clicked, but he started reading perfectly. We had many challenges of, of him reading, uh, pronunciation, everything, enunciating everything. And after a while, you can see the time you spend, you spend with him, it, it actually works, it helps. You're not just there to say, hello, how's it going? Teach, okay, I'm going out to go to the next party or to go to sleep or, to go on a or adventure somewhere. You're also a teacher and you are, you are eventually touching lives too. All right, Yana. Oh, um, I guess less sentimental than that. <laughs> and <laughs> it's just to say, like say yes to as much as you can. You're in this place for a certain amount of time and then that might be it. So say yes, like go on like a trip to another country whilst you're there say yes to like going out for dinner because you'll find like wee nooks and crannies of the perfect little places that will become your favorite spots um say yes to going and meeting like a group of other expats because you'll learn so much from them um just as much as you can don't exhaust yourself but say yes to everything because you're not going to get these opportunities when you go back home yeah i completely agree with that mm. matt yeah, so um, I think like what Alan said, just the big thing that, that's very valuable that you can take away is watching the development of, you know, your students. Like, you know, I think that's, that's you know, synonymous with being a teacher, but, you know, it's cool seeing some of these kids, like, I mean, I've been in Korea for the three months and, you know, seeing some of these kids whose English was quite low and 
you know, they're, they're making, you know, taking baby steps. And, you know, I like to think that as a result of, you know, spending time with me in, in the classroom and kind of thing. So it's, it, it's, it's nice and rewarding. And I think that's just also with being a teacher. But it's, it's nice because I hope by the time I'm done, you know, it'll be even further just to see, you know, how, how far they did come. So I, I, I enjoy that aspect. All right. Sounds very fulfilling. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Uh, that That's the show for today. Thank you all for joining us today. We really appreciate it. You were all very informative. Um, for those listening, if you want more information on our guests, their social, social media handles and websites will be provided there. You can find out more information. You can reach out to them. I'm assuming you all of would be course. happy to speak to anybody yes. interested in learning about traveling abroad. Yeah. Yeah. So feel free to, to contact them through there. Thank you for listening. Uh, please subscribe and tune in to last Monday of every month for these travel around table discussions. That's the show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.